Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Reed. Check this out. This is the Rip and Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Reed. Patrick's Day continues here. Interesting, I got a text from my nemesis, my enemy, Peter King. Congressman Peter King always loves to brag about the fact that he graduated out of Brooklyn Prep and I got kicked out. He sends me a picture. He says, watch what you say about me today. God is on my side. And it's a picture of him as the Grand Marshal with Cardinal O'Connor. He was the best Cardinal. This one, Dolan, forget about him. And the one before him, kick him out onto Fifth Avenue, defrock them. But the fact that he would send me a picture of Cardinal O'Connor, let me tell you something. Again, as I come full circle, you know, my enemies have been members of Italian organized crime. And they tried to kill me on June 19th in 1992, Gotti Sr. to Gotti Jr. to the Gambino crime family. And I just survived in Bellevue. I was in ICU. Uh, they had tubes in every orifice of my body to keep me alive because I was a uh, goner. And then when I came to two days later, I looked to my left, and who did I see? My nemesis back then, Ed Koch, and I thought he had died and gone straight to hell without an asbestos suit. And then when I looked to my right, there was Cardinal O'Connor, and he had the extreme unction vests on. For you old school uh, uh, Catholics who grew up with the Baltimore Catechism, extreme unction is what they now call the death rights vestments. And I looked at Cardinal O'Connor and he goes, hey, I guess I could take this off, Curtis. I'm not going to be using this over you. Oh, he, he, he was the best Cardinal. The rest of these guys, hey, to me, they're like the St. Louis Cardinals. So But anyway. Let me get into uh, why I believe that Eric, uh, as he calls himself, Eric O. Adams today, please, what a what a shanda. Why he has become the mayor of all the illegal aliens. Now think about it. There is tradition here, and it comes from the Irish. New York City's political organization that was founded in 1786, Tammany Hall. So later on, as they grew 
in prowess. Tammany Hall had an Irish Catholic boss, and in 1928, a Tammany hero, New York Governor Al Smith, who went on to win the Democratic presidential nomination twice, but they would not elect a Catholic. The only cities that voted for him were on both coasts. It was Boston, Baltimore, New York City, Catholic cities, and San Francisco. Uh, the heartland of America, forget it. William Jennings Bryant, the holy roller there, said, hey, you can't elect a Catholic. You can't elect a Catholic. And they didn't. But they also had William Boss Tweed. And he was a crook. But he provided patronage and was a massive vote-getter, utilizing all the Irish who had come in. Remember, they were escaping uh, the famine that was imposed upon them by the Crown, the Brits, who they loathed, they hated, they despised because they watched so many, hundreds of thousands, die because of the famine. And Queen Victoria would do nothing, nothing to send any foodstuffs so that they could survive the famine. No, instead, the plight caused their flight. And more than 130,000 Irish immigrants came and lived in New York City. And as soon as they were arriving, they were in deep poverty. They were in the ghettos. They were in the the shettles, the, the skettles. And Tammany Hall provided them with employment, shelter, even citizenship. And Tammany Hall gave referrals to men looking for work and legal aid to those who needed it. I'll just give you an example. In in one day involving the Irish, Tammany Hall would assist the Irish in a house fire, secure the release of six drunks by speaking on their behalf to a uh, Tammany Hall judge, pay the rent of a poor Irish family to prevent their eviction, and give them money and food, and secured employment for four individuals who were unemployable because they had no negotiable skills and would attend funeral after funeral. And you know what a Irish funeral and wake was like. It was a celebration. And Tammany Hall took full advantage of this growing Irish immigrant population to gather more votes. Right before the Civil War, 34% of New York City's voter population was composed of Irish immigrants, Roman Catholic Irish immigrants, And many Irishmen came to dominate Tammany Hall, and till the day they died, they would vote Democrat, and they would encourage their grandchildren and children to vote Democrat. And remember, you had the Irish who were the Protestant Irish, McCormick. uh, He owned the uh, Daily News along with the Chicago Tribune and WGN, the most powerful radio and TV station in the heartland Chicago. And people assumed, oh, uh, he would employ Irish. No! He had a policy, the Irish need not apply. And I remember people would say, what are you talking about? You're Irish. You should be able to get a job at the Daily News only if you are Protestant Irish. In fact, the wounds were so deep that the Italians who always viewed the Irish as the coppers chasing the Italians, they were the majority of the road crews of New York City before it became the Department of Transportation. And they had the job right before the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade of painting the green stripe of Fifth Avenue, and they would paint it orange as an ufa to the Irish Catholics because that was the Protestant symbol of the orangeman. And I'll never forget in the Eastern District of downtown Brooklyn in the last trial against John Gotti Sr., the prosecutor Irish was John Gleason, who is now a federal judge. And on St. Patrick's Day, he was festooned with Irish uh, carnations, 
meaning a green carnation, a green tie. And as he cross-examined Sammy the Bull Gravano on the witness stand, which would uh, seal John Gotti Sr.'s fate, triple life without parole, and Marion, John Gotti Sr. was wearing an orange tie in defiance of John Gleason. That, that, that gives you a little bit of the history. But the reason that Eric O. Adams, as he calls himself, get out of here, has become the mayor of the illegal aliens, is every one of these Venezuelans, every one of these Cubans, every one of these Nicaraguans, everyone crossing the border illegally and claiming that they're seeking sanctuary, that they need asylum, and they won't get an asylum hearing until about 10 years, maybe longer from now, so they're going to slip through the cracks. The reason he's doing this is that eventually when they become whole, you know in the future there'll be some form of amnesty as Ronald Reagan, the Protestant Irish uh, president of the United States, gave the illegals amnesty and then said, but no more. Well, they continue to flood across. So whether you call them the, uh, the dreamers, whoever they are, at some point they are going to be made whole. And then some of them will decide... Uh, I'll get the working visa, I'll get the green card, and then I'll take the test to become citizens of the United States. Ironically, the test, most American citizens birthed here, no matter what their religious or ethnic or racial background is, probably couldn't pass that test. So in order to pass that test, you really got to know your civics, you really got to know your history, and it's generally you're more astute, you're more aware of our history than even those who were born and raised here. But Eric Adams is sowing the seeds, as Tammany Hall did back in the 1800s, for generation after generation then of Irish Americans, uh, owing, uh, paying tribute to the Democratic Party for helping them when they arrived here right on the tip of Manhattan and came out to tired the poor, those uh, who were driven out of Ireland because of the potato famine by the English, by the Crown. And even to this day, some of their great, 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 great grandchildren will only vote Democrat to the day they die and may never even cross over. They didn't do it for Reagan. The Reagan Democrats didn't do it for the Giuliani Democrats. Nope, but never cross over. And that's what Eric Adams and these Democrats who have turned our city into a sanctuary for illegal aliens, they get treated better than a normal average everyday citizen's. They're not just sent to shelters. They're sent to three-star hotels. In fact, the tallest, the tallest hotel on Rector Street in the shadow of the New York Stock Exchange, the Holiday Inn, now has 600 illegal aliens in it. And, you know, doggone well in the future, they will vote Democrat, Democrat to the day they die. And that's why Eric Adams has become the mayor of the illegal aliens, because he has forsaken us. Just follow the history of Tammany Hall and you'll understand what happened then with the Irish immigrants and what's happening now with Eric. <laughs> oh, you know what I would call you, Adams. Oh, Adams. And how he is currying favor with all these illegals so that they will vote Democrat till the day they die. Now. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. It's been seven hours. 
Recognize this, Lou. Recognize this, Macedonian Phil. At one time, she was on on top of the record world, early 90s, Sinead O'Connor. I mean, she had hit after hit. Born and raised in Dublin. Then the parents' divorce, which was... Not permitted at that time, looked on very, very negatively by the Roman Catholic Church that dominated so much of Irish life then. So the mother went to uh, Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, father stayed back in the land of Era, Era. And she was getting into trouble. She was shoplifting. She was using drugs. She was rebellious. She was rambunctious. And so Lou... What did Irish Catholic families do with uh, girls who were bad girls getting into trouble? They sent them to the convent. And she went to the convent. They recognized she had some emotional issues. But to her own to her own credit, she said the nun straightened her out. Straightened her out so much, she went on to become a recording artist. And for a while there, she was on top of the world. Sinead O'Connor was on top of the world. She traveled internationally, packed a house. She became uh, really a feminist before a feminist attitude could really be a chart stopper in the Billboard Top 40. And then she took to the stage of Saturday Night Live. I'll never forget it in October of 1992. She sang a a cappella version of Bob Marley's War, which she intended as a protest against sexual abuse of children in the Roman Catholic Church, of which there were massive amounts of that, especially in Ireland, where they're digging up bodies to this day, and referred to child abuse rather than racism. She then presented a photo of Pope John Paul II to the camera while singing the word evil, after which she tore the photo into pieces and said, fight the real enemy, threw the pieces to the camera. And this occurred nine years before John Paul II acknowledged the sex abuse that was rampant within the Roman Catholic Church. Now, she was spot on then, well ahead of her time, but she had severe emotional issues that to this day have plagued her. In fact, you remember Cat Stevens, how successful Cat Stevens was, and then he converted to become Yusef Islam and signed on to the fatwa against Salman Rushdie, who just recently survived a vicious attack outside of Buffalo, thank God. Bonfire, not not bonfire, the manatees, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I got the wrong book. But anyway, the point being is he became Yusef Islam and he became a hardcore Shia fundamentalist. To this day, Sinead O'Connor back in 2018 became a Muslim. You know, the Chidora, the whole nine yards, changed her name. But now, as she still performs in coffee house after coffee house, she's smart enough to know not to use her Muslim name because nobody would know her. She goes by Sinead O'Connor. Boy, she has gone around the world 360 degrees. 
But the reason uh, I play this song is because the direct reversal of Sinead O'Connor is Eric, as he calls himself, O. Adams today, please. Don't, don't try to be Irish, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. All of a sudden, he has become a holy roller. Almost every appearance now is cloaked in hiding behind God. As we know, the city's is dismal, dismal situation. The economics, the empty uh, work properties. He's wanting to uh, now end up taking these office buildings that are empty, 50% of them are empty, and turn them into housing. That is a clear admission that we have lost the war of resurrecting this city and getting it back on track. In addition, remember, he argued, he yelled, he screamed, he stamped his feet. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, demanded that all workers be in their offices five days a week, that uh, the pandemic was over and it was time to scrape the barnacles off your backside, get your rear in gear and start packing in and joining the rat race again. Oh, notice the rat race. We'll get to that momentarily. And get into those office buildings and spend your money in the surrounding businesses because the city was hurting and it continues to hurt. And just the other week, he had to wave the white flag, no mas, no mas, and say, well, look, if you can come in three days out of five days, and there are certain city agencies that he controls where they still haven't come in to work. You look at the public advocate, a do-nothing job, which is basically there in order for you to siphon off of tax dollars, to put your beak in the trough of tax dollars so you could run for higher office. Mark Green did it. You've seen Tish James has done it before that. The part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, uh, Bill de Blasio. By the way, there will be the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Park Slope on Sunday, which I will be attending. You think Bill de Blasio and Charlene will be there? Not. But I digress momentarily. And, of course, the most recent to take advantage of the public advocate do-nothing job, Tish James. There is now the public advocate, Jumani Williams, does nothing all day. He has a staff of 62. None of them are in the office. They're all at home. They're gold bricks. They're slackers. They're deadbeats. They're, they're living off the taxpayer's generosity. He has run for higher office after higher office. Thank God he has been a failure in that. And he lives in the safest place in all of New York City, behind the walls of Fort Hamilton, the active military base and the garrison, in which every day, when with taxpayer-funded SUV and armed police officers that he hates, he loathes, he despises. He's part of the crowd that says not only defund the police, but just get rid of the police. He has to show ID going in and out of Fort Hamilton. This fake, phony, fraudulent hypocrite, right? And all of his workers are at home. So many more in city government. So Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, has had to wave the white flag on a number of occasions. Crime, he has not gotten control of at all. If you just look at the Upper West Side, the Upper West Side, which, uh, as you know, Sid Rosenberg fled. Oh, my God, did he flee there. And he was always complaining about the crime in the Upper West Side, saying, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Never had crime like that. To give you an idea of what it's like where I live on the Upper Wild Side now, I call it, 
Three men robbed a person at gunpoint at West 65th Street in Amsterdam, right in the shadow, right in the shadow of Alice Tully Hall. A couple of blocks south of where a person was shot a couple of days before, there have been other bad crimes in the area recently. And this is just a story that occurs all over the city. And we have less and less police officers as they flee and join the exodus of so many of the cities who have given up. So Adams, uh, who was raised in the Church of God in Christ, a Pentecostal denomination, has now suddenly hidden behind religion and said the reason that we have all of these problems, all of these problems, is that we, we don't have prayer in the school and we have separation of church and state. Can I hear it? Can I hear it, Lou? From the highest bully pulpit in every black Baptist church, wherever Eric Adams goes now, this is what he says. Well, tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body. Church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. When I walk, I walk with God. When I talk, I talk with God. When I put policies in place, I put them in with a God-like approach to them. You know, there are a lot of schizophrenic uh, people, Lou, who uh, claim that they walk and they talk with God. I see them mumbling and stumbling around on the subways and the streets and the parks in New York City every day. They're in desperate need of mental health care, which Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, is not giving them. But then again, with the rising crime outside of the public school system and inside where we have a dearth of uh, public safety officers who are administered to by the NYPD, they wear the same uniforms, but they just don't have guns and they don't have the same powers as police. Eric Adams has decided that the reason that there's so much crime outside the schools and so much crime inside the schools... It's not because he's not doing the job. Of course, that's the reason. But because we no longer have prayer in school. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then yesterday before a group dealing with the mental health crisis, he said, our challenge is not economics. Yes, it is. Have you seen the implosion of the banks? Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. You promoted Bitcoin. Look at all the Bitcoin bandits. Look at all the blockchain criminals. Look at all the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers that you got wine-dined and pocket-lined by. Huh? You, you don't even talk Bitcoin anymore because they've caused the implosion of certain uh, aspects of our banking system. Maybe even Republican Bank has been pumped up with $40 billion from other bigger banks to keep it alive. So he says our, our challenge is not finance. Of course not, because you tax everything that inhales, exhales, and breathes. Our challenge is faith. People have lost their faith. I would agree with you on Eric, uh, with that, Eric Adams. They have lost their faith in you. Because you sold yourself as a law and order mayor. You sold yourself as somebody who would resurrect the city. And in fact, in many instances, in your first year and a third, it's worse than the eight years of Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who took a billion and a half dollars from the taxpayers, supposedly to deal with the emotionally disturbed. 
gave it to his wife, Charlene, and who knows where they deposited it. I know it's not in Dublin. I know if we were to somehow have a shillelagh, kiss the Blarney Stone, and chase the leprechauns and try to find the one and a half billion dollars because it never went to care for one emotionally disturbed person's soul. We will find out that it's probably in a bank account in Panama, the Cayman Islands, Antigua, or yes, Switzerland. And then he went on and on. He said, how does one reshape New York City into a place that exudes an aura of faith in God? The question, Eric Adams, is who's God? And how do we take a city that is the center of power of America and turn it into a city when you enter it, everyone sees faith and sees God? Who's God, Eric Adams? People who are in danger politically, historically, have always hidden behind godlike phraseology. The fact is, is that you lead the most ungodly of lives. Where do you go to at night when the clock strikes 12? You give up being a holy roller and you then walk up the steps of the Club Zero Bond the most ungodly place in the city, a private club where whatever happens in the Club Zero Bond stays in the Club Zero Bond. Decadence, debauchery, things that are ungodly. So I guess in the case of Eric Adams, as he goes up to Club Zero Bond each and every night until the break of dawn, God must be waiting outside in the taxpayer-funded SUV with all the cops that have been assigned to protect him Morning, noon, and night. Check this out. It's the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Spectacular. Now here's the Sid Wrap-Up. Boy. I warned Sid. I said, don't get in that car with Bo Deedle. Don't get... In that car with Bo Dito and his mugs. Where they're going to take you is not a place that you should be or you need to be. But you see, Sid Rosenberg never wanted to be born a Jew. He wanted to be born an Italian stallion in Brooklyn. He, he dreamed of one day being able to rock those crucifixes, that old cornu, the Italian crown, going into a Catholic church for the wake and funeral of some wise guy that he and his crew were responsible for whacking and then putting his finger in the holy water and watching it percolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that was always the perverted dream of Sid Rosenberg, who, if he could have been reborn in a heartbeat, would have been reborn eating macaroni and gravy on Sundays with the sausage and the meatballs and the peppers. Say it ain't so, Sid. Say you didn't go into the bowels of hell last night. Bo Deedle took me to dinner, the great Bo Deedle. He's Italian, you know. No. Yes, not. he is. No. He's not? No. Oh. He said he, he is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm also Yugoslavian, do you believe me? No, I don't. Well. Well, he took me for dinner last night uh, by Rayo's there, you know. And uh, what a, you, you talk about some great guys at dinner last night. First of all, everybody knows I love Joey Nunziata, oh. the king of Williamsburg, 
grew up with Vinnie Viola, that uh, whole crew, Joey uh, Nunziata, uh, and uh, his boy, Kono, who's become a dear friend of ours, too. So they were there last night. Chuck Zito, great Italian, he was there last night. Robert Tony Darrow, you know the actor, uh, Lou Tony Darrow. He was there last night. Yeah, he's almost Italian. He's very Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole, uh, the whole, we have, we have one picture. It's about 40 of us, uh, after dinner. And, uh, all Italians. And they look Italian. To, to all of them, you're Mo Green. You really are Mo Green. You're, they, after they get through with you, Bodito's crew, they're going to render you impotent. By the way, whoever said that Bodito was not Italian, they are correct. He is a mutt, just like me, part Italian, not full Italian. So according to wanting to be a made guy, if Bo had ever decided to go out and whack somebody on behalf of the Genovese crime family that runs Sorreos, or if I had decided to uh, join either Lucchese's or Gambino's who are on Avenue L in Canarsie, right? We would have had to be full Italian to get made, to become a made man. You see, Sid in his mind thinks that last night it's like he got, he became a made guy. Yeah, like Pesci and Goodfellas, Sid. Are you out of your mind? Think about that amazing dinner I had last night. Bo Deedle and uh, all the guys... Joey Nunziata, Kono, Robert, Chuck Zito, Tony Darrow, all the uh, all the great guys. Steve, who's one of the uh, owners of Joe and Joe, a great Italian restaurant up in Rockland County, just outside of New Jersey. Him and Rocco and Joe, all the guys. Steve actually brought over. He listens every day. He heard about the Shmura matzah. He brought over matzah, manischewitz, and then when they were serving, uh, you know, those St. Joe's, those cannoli desserts, he brought over chocolate rugula. So way to go, Steve. Thank you very, very much. So if given a choice of uh, celebrating St. Joseph's Day coming up or St. Patrick's Day, we saw that in the Irish Riviera in Rockaway, the first of the St. Patrick's Day parades in March that I proudly marched in, as I do almost each and every year. Well, my son Anthony, who had the kilts on, played the bagpipe, and believe it or not, was speaking Gaelic. Is he really my son? Yep, yep, he is. Uh, Sid Rosenberg was a no-show. But for St. Joseph's Day, right, you better believe Sid would be there, and he would know all about St. Joseph the Carpenter, the Blessed Virgin Mother Mary, a.k.a. the Lady of Guadalupe, and yes, Jesus in the swaddling cloth in the manger. And remember, it was his very dear friend, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, who said to Sid back in January, there's no room in the inn. Well, he certainly found a lot of room with our tax dollars. I told you, don't do it, Sid. Don't do it. You're gonna, you're getting on a, a one-way trip to Palookaville. What, JoJo's in Rockland County? You're gonna be there for the, St. Patrick's Day Parade in Pearl River, the Irish Riviera in Rockland County. I doubt it. Beware. The Ides of March were upon Sid on the 15th. And they wanted to finish the job at Rayo's.